Hi, everybody. Welcome to Evolve, where we focus on the evolution of leadership. I'm Kim Ford, your host, and today I would like to introduce you to a friend of mine in New York. Uh, Gabe, can you take a moment, introduce yourself and your company? Absolutely, Kim, and, and thanks for having me on this morning. Uh, happy early Thanksgiving. Um, uh, I'm Gabe Marins uh, with Savills. Uh, I'm an executive managing director, and I sit out of our New York office. Uh, and we do a lot of things. We do a lot of fun things. Um, but the core of what we do and what the team does uh, is we represent occupiers uh, with regards to all of their real estate needs. So 90% uh, of the time, uh, that is tenant rep, pure advisory, uh, mostly focused around the New York metro area. Um, but we help a lot of our clients also think through a national or even global uh, real estate footprints. Um, and it, it's been a it's been a very interesting time because uh, if you wind the clock back 20 years ago, brokers were only about the space. We were essentially commodity brokers. And uh, the business has very clearly evolved to a much higher consulting led uh, brokerage model. Um, and so it, it's a lot more strategic. It's a lot more about tapping different service lines. Um, and it's a lot more about trying to uh, be as uh, prophetic, uh, trying to predict the future uh, about what 2022 is going to bring uh, as we see a larger uh, migration back to the office. Um, and so uh, it's, it's, it's a business that we love. It's a business that we're passionate about um, because it drives us crazy in the fact that it's changing constantly. Um, but we always are learning, uh, and the learning curve is always steep, so it, it keeps it exciting. So uh, it's a pretty long-winded way uh, of saying that uh, we, we help companies figure out their office space, uh, and we love what we do. Absolutely. And, you know, I always find it interesting. I, we find Pittsburgh about, I don't know, five, seven years behind New York. So I'm really interested to talk to you today because I'm hoping you can see into the future a little bit better than me, to be quite honest with you. Um, how has the pandemic impacted you and your clients? Has it been a significant change? Obviously, it looks like you're at a home and not at an office that I think two years ago we would never be speaking um, this way. Um, so obviously, that's one factor, I would assume. Yeah, it, it's... Uh this is this is an area that I spend a lot of time thinking about. So, um, you know, on, on paper, you think, hey, you earn a living off of helping to negotiate office leases. You should be very anti hybrid or remote work. Um, and and this is just not true. Uh, it's not true because of intellectual reasons, but it's also true because of personal reasons. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm a dad with young kids. Um, I've got a three-year-old and a three-and-a-half-month-old, and so the time that I've been able to spend with the growing family over the last two years has really highlighted uh, the value of having more of a flexible policy. Uh, and so uh, today uh, is not a Friday, but it's a holiday week, uh, and so I try to take the last day of the week to be at home and to do drop-off and pick-up for school um, and, and just be a little bit more present. Uh, you know, my thinking about all of this is I'm essentially working seven days a week anyway, and so I can borrow from a Friday, but give back to it on a Sunday or on a weekday night. Um, you know, the, the, the thinking about New York being ahead of everywhere else, I'm going to push back on you a little bit. We like to think that New Yorkers <laughs> always have it figured out. Um, but I, I think New York in, in many ways is a, a city of extremes. Um, and so especially during the pandemic, where we ex were experiencing in March and April of 2020, over 800 deaths a day uh, due to the pandemic. 
Um, and we haven't reproached anywhere near that since then. I think now we're at one or two deaths uh, a day in New York City, which is an extraordinarily low number. Uh, New Yorkers learn. New Yorkers are resilient. Uh, New Yorkers figure things out. Uh, we did it after 9-11. We did it after Hurricane Sandy. Uh, we've done it after major blackouts. New York is a city that uh, that finds their backbone and, and stiffens up. Um, and so what we're seeing now is this planned return to the office uh, being led almost by tech companies, both big and small, um, which is a remarkable change uh, in terms of this tenant mix than what we've seen in the past. Um, it's not just the small Series A, uh, it's also IPO companies, it's also uh, the fangs of the world, even though they're no longer called Google uh, and Facebook. Um, and, and so when you think about what's happening in New York, and if you could derive anything uh, for other cities, uh, if you think about the framework as a city of extremes, uh, I would expect other cities to also come roaring back uh, in the same way. Uh, I think New York will be a more important city uh, than what it was pre-pandemic. I think the remote work world favors places like New York and Pittsburgh um, because people who love to live there for different reasons, one would choose Pittsburgh versus New York for a different set of variables, um, but you can live anywhere and work anywhere. And we've seen people move to New York who are working remote at other companies so that they could take advantage of all the benefits of New York. So uh, no, no surprise here. I'm very bullish on New York. I'm long-term bullish on New York. Uh, and I think that uh, it'll be a very exciting rest of the decade to come starting in January. Yeah, for sure. How have you adapted your business model? Have you had to make significant changes to, to kind of, you know, representing businesses in New York? Uh, we have, yes, absolutely. Um, and, and there are a lot of different ways that we've approached it. So first of all, um, our clients are companies. Um, so we we have a fiduciary responsibility to our client companies. Um, but our real value is the service that we deliver to the individual, to the person. Uh, and so whether that's a head of real estate or a committee that's making real estate decisions, um, from a business model standpoint, given the level of questions and uncertainty, we've had to make ourselves much more available much more often. Uh, and so if you think about what you might expect pre-pandemic, uh, you'd have a client that would sign a five or 10 year lease. After the lease signing, maybe you'd speak to them a couple of times, uh, unless there was something more urgent, you'd stay in touch, but there wouldn't be anything uh, substantive to really discuss. When March and April rolled around, every single one of our clients wanted to talk all the time about all these questions. And while it's slowed down a little bit, uh, there's still a lot of questions about return to office and vaccination mandates and what are people seeing? And so uh, we, we've more or less taken on this role of information broker uh, almost, where we are sharing what others are doing because that helps inform what our clients can and should do in the absence of any uh, real data. And so in terms of our client engagement, we've had to go full white glove 24-7 uh, and just had to really lean into that. Um, that's on the client management side. From a structural side, I think also uh, tying into, uh, into the changing world, flexibility is more important and more valuable than ever before. Uh, and so if in a pre-pandemic world, you had direct and sublease space with a small footprint, a footnote uh, for flexible space, I think now you're seeing the true trident. So you've got direct, you've got sublease, and you also. Hi, Jacob. There he is. Hi, say hi. Hi, Jacob. Jacob is working. Hi. You want to say, you want to say a quick hello? 
Nice to see you today. I get to see your picture all the time. Bye, Jacob. It's adorable. Unscripted, unplanned. And yeah, I love it. It's perfect. Hey, you, could, you know, golden retrievers hopping through and you never know, right? And I see the swing set in the background. You know, getting back really quick to something you had said before and, you know, how you, you kind of steal or borrow time from one day to be able to work from home. You know, what's funny is we've always done that. We just had to hide. And mm -hmm. so what I love is I love that, you know, I brag about providing a transparent service just like you. And I love that now we can really be fully transparent and it's acceptable for Jacob to come and come into the middle of a meeting. And it wasn't three years ago. That is, was not OK unless it was an emergency. It, I, I, I could not agree more with you on that. I, I mean, and that's just that's just the tip of the iceberg. Right. I mean, uh, if we think about the caricature of someone who worked from home, you know, pajamas, sweatpants, waking up late, you know, logging on, doing the bare minimum. You know, does that happen still? Yes. And is there anything wrong with that? I don't think so. Uh, and so, you know, the role of the office, and that has certainly changed from being a place that you had to be for the FaceTime to a place that you're encouraged to be. Um, it, it changes the whole dynamics around it. Um, and I think that's really good and healthy. And, and I think that we also have to be incredibly sensitive to to how this has major benefits for some people, but it also has major trade-offs for others. And you know, one of the things that I think about quite a bit is um, is what I'll call the working parent category. Uh, it's not just moms; it's also dads. Um, and when you have this return to the office, all of a sudden you've had an environment where, as a parent, you could have it all. Uh, although your therapist might disagree with you, but <laughs> at least from a time management standpoint, you could have it all. And now all of a sudden you're re reintroducing uh, commute times and you're not going to be able to have it all. Uh, and so uh, there, there's the, the I think the ideal future here is what I'll call hybrid, um, which is not all that different than what you and I had been experiencing before. Uh, but the taboos around it are washed away. And I think that that's incredibly important. It allows companies to uh, to better compete for talent. Um, and helps to shift the needle a little bit closer into the employee category uh, when it comes comes time to that dynamic. Yeah, I would love to get a call from a client on a Saturday afternoon and I'm at my daughter's volleyball tournament and hey, hang on, you know, they can hear the noise in the background and the screeching of the shoes. And that was okay because it was Saturday at 1 p.m. Um, and of course, but now it's okay at 4 p.m. on Tuesday. Um, and I think that's great because I try to answer every call, whether it's 9 p.m., you know, 7 a.m. if I can, just because I'd like to connect. I don't want to play phone tag. So I just, I love the transparency of honesty now. I love being able to say, hey, hang, give me two seconds to step outside. My daughter's in a, you know, in a game or something. I, I just, I, I've always, I, I never enjoyed hiding if it was like, oh gosh, it's during business hours. I have to run because I don't want them to hear. And, it, and oh, yeah. it's changed drastically. And I just, I, you know, part of me wishes that would have happened a long time ago, but I very much appreciate it today. Where do you see the future of commercial real estate? I know none of us have a crystal ball. We're all struggling. Um, you know, we talk about co-working. A lot of people are asking me, hey, do you really think it's it's going to come back? And I kind of laughed to, to say to myself, well, it really never went away because people that were in a lease paid their rent for the mm -hmm. most part. Um, so where, you know, what does your crystal ball look like for the industry itself? I think it looks a lot more complicated, uh, you know, because 
it's it's simple math, right? The more variables, the more permutations, uh, and and that's that's what we have to do on a day to day basis. We're we're about uh, trying to outline different scenarios for our clients um, as we're evaluating uh, individual locations or portfolios um, and trying to build out a decision tree. Um, and so uh, flexible space uh, has gone through. The best way to think about it is the product has always existed. It's just gone through several major rebranding exercises. And and in, in 2008, 2009, uh, as we came out of the uh, financial crisis, you had a rebranding from Regis, right, which was what most people thought of from Flexspace, to WeWork, um, and just a, a refreshing of the brand of co-working. And then they started calling it Flexible Space. And then you had industriouses and local players, uh, you know, come, step up and come to the table. Uh, and that that genie is not going back in the bottle. It should not go back in the bottle. It is not just for one or two person startups. Major corporates have major agreements with them uh, for all the obvious reasons. It is more expensive uh, on a per square foot basis, uh, but it could work very well for certain companies that are looking for flexibility or low upfront cash payments, uh, CapEx, et cetera. Uh, and so there, there's, a, there's a growing role for that product. And when I say it's become more complicated, it's because it's not just these third-party providers that are offering this up. You have major landlords that are bringing that in-house as well because they're looking at this and they're saying there's there's profit to be made. Uh, why should we sacrifice that profit to an outside operator? Uh, there are a lot of reasons why they might want to do that, but some are going ahead and building it out on their own. Um, and and so you know if if what used to be the case was you had a client that had a lease coming up. You'd evaluate the market, find them new space, negotiate the deal, put them into the building. Now it's about, well, we don't know what our headcount is going to be. And so now it's about taking a Band-Aid space, evaluating the data, and then leasing more space on a maybe direct or a sublease basis that might include all sorts of expansion and contraction options so that they could really anticipate and react uh, more immediately to their, to their business needs. Um, it is everything about this is complicated. The vocabulary has changed. The players have changed. Um, and it just requires um, you to be on top of everything and paying attention almost always. Yeah, I talk to a lot of landlords, you know, both on a local and a national basis. And I think that the conversation is is not what they want to hear. Um, you know, we've had to and I think you've had to experience the same thing. Explain to them, look, you're going to have to be more flexible. This company is at, you know, you know, a 55 person headcount. They just lost six people. They're trying to hire. They haven't been able to hire. They don't know what it looks like in the future. So they're afraid to sign that five and seven year lease um, unless you can build in enough flexibility that, to make them comfortable. And, and where, you know, landlords don't like to have that conversation. You know, they're used to getting those deals and they're not seeing them now. It's much harder. It is much, much harder. Uh, it continues to be, um, and I think it'll, it'll continue to be harder for the near the near future. Um, it's interesting you say that because for the most part, when we would push back on that point, most landlords in New York would say, well, our lender is expecting a longer lease term and uh, how are we, you know, ironically, those arguments have started to fade yeah. uh, quite a bit. Uh, and I think that that's in direct response to them leasing space to a third party provider who's able to charge a premium for their space. Um, and, and they're realizing that there's real demand and real money that they're leaving on the table. And so the smart operators uh, are doing things like pre-building spaces, uh, mm -hmm. offering uh, maybe encumbered spaces that uh, are under 
uh, expansion options to other tenants in the building might have a two or three year term, a landlord going in, building the space out, offering it for a two or three year term. I think there's been this shift among the smarter uh, landlord communities uh, that uh, that that looks at the building almost as a vertical integration. So if you can capture uh, a small tenant, maybe you could keep them for the duration of their tenant life cycle. Um, and, and there's a lot of value there. It reduces downtime, uh, gives you a little bit more of a diversified exposure to the market. Um, and so that's what the smart owners are doing. The stubborn owners um, are <laughs> going to have a choice to make. Either they get on board or they get out of the business. Uh, yeah. You know, New York is 460 million square feet in Manhattan alone. Um, that's a lot of space. And, and uh, there's a lot of space in that 460 million square feet that is unremarkable. And so how do you stand out? Uh, there are a lot of ways to do it, um, and one of those ways is by offering up incredibly flexible structures. Um, so a lot, of, a lot of ways to answer that question, um, yeah. but I think that we are very much leaning into a time of great experimentation where you're <laughs> going to see a very clear uh, separation between the winners and, and the losers in this arena. For sure. How do you see corporations evolving their office footprint? Ah, uh, boy, uh, I have some unpopular uh, positions on, on, on this question. <laughs> I knew um, you would. <laughs> you know, I, I think that uh, to, to speak bluntly, I think that we're going to look back on this period and look at it as one of missed opportunities, because I think that uh, there was a point during the pandemic where companies could have uh, embraced more of a remote or hybrid uh, platform that um, that that allowed them to maybe reduce their real estate spend, uh, but uh, above all else, even if their spend went up, uh, really catered to their employees. And I think the world has just been moving really, really quickly. And so that window, um, I, I feel, has mostly passed by. And the opportunity to go remote first um, is uh, is 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 more challenging than most people realize. This is not about real estate. This is about culture change. You know, if you want to start a company and be remote first, much easier to do that than to change in a thousand employee company to remote first. Um, and so instead, what we're seeing is essentially uh, policies built around office first with a flexible uh, tinge. Uh, and that could be anything from what Apple is doing, which is Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, uh, with four weeks of remote time anywhere in addition to your typical PTO. Um, so I think in a in a little bit of a um, uh, impolite way, I think that human nature is really stubborn. We tend to find the path of least resistance. I think we all know deep down that it's easier to build relationships and bonds uh, when we're in person with our employee, with, with our colleagues. Um, you know, a text conversation, things get lost in communication. Phone, a little bit better. Face-to-face uh, -face through a live video feed, even better. But nothing beats the feedback loop of in-person communication. Um, and so that's the path of least resistance. And that is why, above all other economic considerations or hiring considerations, that is why I think the vast majority of corporations in another two years will look back on this period. Uh, and there really won't be all that much of a difference on the surface uh, compared to February of 2020. Yeah, for sure. I I totally agree. Do you, you know, a lot of a lot of CEOs and C-suite leaders are kind of struggling with how to figure out what to do, right? Do you have any advice for business leaders as they try to navigate this post-pandemic world? 
I think we're we're in need of leadership um, on this on this topic. We have um, importantly focused on the needs of the employees over the last 20 months. Um, you know, it's been a there's been a lot of ink spilled about mental health, um, and that this is a topic that has hit very close to home. Um, I have a or had a brother who struggled with mental health uh, who passed away uh, six years uh, from next month. Um, and he took his own life, and so this is something that is is deep deeply important to me uh, and it's something that I've been um, very tied into at the since the beginning of the pandemic with my team and, and those around me. Um, but I, I also think that we're coming to a point where uh, people are behaving as if there's no pandemic outside of the office uh, and leaders who have a fiduciary responsibility to shareholders um, and also have to balance the needs of their employees, there's a middle ground here. And so as we get closer to year end, certainly as the clock turns into 2022, I think we're going to see more executives take a firmer stand uh, and leading from the front instead of more of what I'll call the listening tour over the last 20 months. Um, companies are going to do it differently. There's a way to do it in an empathetic way. Uh, but I think that people need leadership and they need someone at the at the front of the line, um, you know, saying, hey, guys, follow me. And and I don't think that we've had as many examples of that um, as, as we probably should. And I think culturally uh, we've reached that point where um, where it's not only acceptable, uh, but needed. Yeah, very true. Well, our goal with Evolve is to help leaders to learn, connect and grow together. And thank you for sharing your insights. Thank you for uh, letting us all meet Jacob. <laughs> and, that, that was the highlight. That was the highlight. I love it. Yeah. Oh, he'll be front and center. So um, I really appreciate your time. And as always, it's wonderful to talk to you and uh, look forward to working with you again soon. Thank you, Kim. As always, great to see you. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited to, to watch this when it gets published. Um, and again, as always, appreciate the conversations we have. Uh, oh, yes. And, and th thanks for letting us give New York a, a little time in the spotlight. Absolutely.